0: This is a Clock Shelves Podcast Network production. Welcome to another episode of mcu and me as always i am paul casey and i am joined once again by two fantastic guys go ahead and reintroduce yourselves
1: uh hi my name is liam i'm back again
2: it's the electric tongue ellsworth Tolman.
1: okay so
0: <laughs> so um for those who may not be aware uh Ellsworth had messaged me recently saying hey man I re-listened to some of the early episodes of the show and you know unlike Kevin and some of the other people you've had on like I don't have a nickname and and Kevin I'm, I'm these are my words these are not Ellsworth's words but I I think this is sort of the feeling like Kevin like Shows me up or intimidates me because like he has a cool nickname, so like I'm gonna debut this nickname on the next one, and that's the nickname.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, that's the nickname, bro. All right. I don't know if I felt intimidated and maybe showed up, but you know, electric tongue. My initials ET. I also said it was a little corny or stupid or <laughs> I used some other word to describe. It. <laughs>
0: Well, I definitely feel like now I have to go and change your uh, little clock shelves bio on the website to include that. So,
2: oh, does that mean I can add
0: it to my IMDb too? I, I don't see why not.
2: <laughs> uh, which one, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, right, Mister. I have two IMDb pages over here. I didn't even know they existed. <laughs> oh man! So uh, we are. Hey, going- Liam. Okay. that's <laughs> right um so let me i guess uh front and center here let's kind of acknowledge behind the peak behind the microphone this is the second time we're recording this due to some technical difficulties. So, on a technicality, you all, the listeners, think this is the first time that Liam and Ellsworth are meeting and interacting with each other and, and so on. They've actually interacted before. They found out they have a lot in common. I think that's going to make this episode go much more smoothly this time around. And... Um, I'm excited to have you both on here. We're wrapping up Season 1 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the reason that we're having um, Ellsworth and Liam on is because since Ellsworth was the Season 1 guest, uh, Liam is planned to be the Season 2 guest. So I thought this would be a nice little transition here to have the two of you on. And uh, before we get going any further, Liam, I have to ask, I think we may have talked about it on the show before, um, and obviously, you know, the previous time we recorded this, but if you could refresh us a little bit on your thoughts of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. overall. Have you watched? Were you into it? Are you into it still? Because as of this recording, there's still some new episodes left to air. What is your relationship with
1: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, I guess at the time that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had come out, I was a little bit more into the MCU than I was currently. And so then, you know, back then I was much more excited for the possibility of an MCU-related show. And, you know, of course I liked Agent Colson, so it was cool to see him in a, in a show but then eventually I just kind of drifted away from the show and it, I feel like that's more common nowadays when you have a show that's you know like every week instead of a show that that just drops on Netflix and you can watch all the episodes in four days it's, and so I just kind of lost interest in it I stopped about like season three I want to say and then of course uh, also I feel like about that time the Netflix MCU sh- shows, Came out and I liked those significantly more than what I was watching with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it was kind of like, well, why am I watching this when that's so much better? So there was just a couple of reasons that I kind of lost interest in this show.
0: I mean, I don't blame you. I think Ellsworth, coming from the first time uh viewer perspective, is is probably questioning that because he's not much further ahead than where we are with these episodes, right? Ellsworth, you've you've pretty much been keeping consistently with where we are in the podcast, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I've uh, I've tried to keep very consistent so I don't get too far ahead and you know, just keep running with it due to the first season and recording I wanted to keep right on track for the most part. So the podcasts are current with where I'm at um, because I am the first time viewer and here we are at the end of season one. I'm just a little bit past it. So it is still fresh and yeah, I'm uh, I'm really, I'm really liking where this, where the show went. I know we've said this before. We don't like to say it, It'll be the last time I say it. If you could make it to what we refer to as the big twist, the turn, the show has picked up speed. And I'm so excited to see where it goes from this point forward.
0: Well, so let me ask you really quick like, so, and again, w- without getting too spoilery and things like that, because, you know, we are trying to keep this relatively spoiler free to a certain extent for you as the first time viewer, even though, you know, the overall MCU in terms of the films and things, what do you think when you hear Liam say that at a certain point, he kind of fell off of the show? Um, you know, it happens.
2: It, it does happen. It's happened to me in other shows. I do get it. Um, I've tried to go back to shows and rewatch them And it's helped. So, Liam, I hope that, like, you did fall off, but either pick back up or, you know, go back a little bit and get re-inspired in the show if you liked, you know, a season before it. And it'll get you back into it because, you know, and I I hate that I kind of know this. I've heard from a couple people and it seems like the show picked back up and we got some good stuff to wrap it up. So I'm excited to continue and if we do hit that point where somewhere like Liam or other people have fell off i'll do my best to uh get through it you know maybe i'll i'll reach out to you paul and you know you can help me get through it if if need be if you're still recording this maybe i'll, I'll jump in there to to make sure I get through it, so I have to.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, I mean, I hope to still be recording this. Uh, you know, <laughs> the b- quite a big investment to, to start. You know, the whole MCU. Yeah, I didn't mean
2: it like that, bro. You know <laughs> what I
0: mean? Um, but I'm excited to uh, to talk about these three episodes, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little little joke here. So these three episodes that we're gonna be discussing, which are nothing personal ragtag and beginning of the end the final three episodes of season one and i'm not gonna lie for for the listeners out there and, and even for ellsworth and liam i'm really hoping we can not only cover the things we covered the last time we did this, but not necessarily refer back to it too much because obviously none of us will ever hear that, uh, that edition of the episode. So um, I hope that we can, uh, we can treat this almost as if we're recording for the first time. But um, before we get into that, I just want to say, since this is the second time and since we're you know kind of powering through this, I got I to gotta do one of these all right there we go gotta gotta you know have one for uh for the the end of season one let's just say
2: <laughs> all right
0: so um these three episodes here we get a cameo cameo i guess i guess more of a guest appearance than anything from uh maria hill in the in the very first episode here which is nothing personal. And of course, she mentions, um, you know, interacting or she mentions talking with Pepper Potts and and uh, she uh, talks about how she's gone into the private sector and she works for Stark Industries now and things like that. And, you know, let's not forget, while all of this is going on, um, most of the world thinks Nick Fury is dead and, uh, of course, we left off with, um, Sky and Ward kind of off on their own. And Colson and the remaining members of the team are, are, you know, wondering what to do. And then, uh, they get, because, especially because, uh, Patton Oswalt's character is, is dead now. And, um,. I believe this is the episode where Fitz discovers the uh, the particular um, notion that Ward is Hydra.
2: Yeah, this is where we get the uh, where she gets a little suspicious and we get the new age way of leaving the message because, you know, we have someone like Sky who, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> um, leaves a new message because that's the type of person she is. You know, she's a little younger, hipper, she's the new age thing and you have that, the the art that changes and I thought that was a very clever thing to um, kind of do there.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, we also get the first in person appearance of general talbot as he and his men informed by maria hill kind of crash the base the bunker whatever you want to call it providence as uh, uh she sold colson out so what do you what do you think about that do you think it was uh like that she was actually selling him out or do you think it was almost a kind of reverse psychology sort of thing because she gives him the whole speech at one point about, um, you know, oh, why don't you come and and be in the private sector and, you know, all this other stuff and like, oh, you know, you might have to go through a trial, but things can be better on the other side and blah, blah, blah. And we've seen up until this point, and we've commented on it uh, in a few episodes, Ellsworth, how, you know, Coulson is very much a broken man. He he's sort of repurposed himself within these few episodes since you know the big, as you referred to it, the big twist. You know the Hydra reveal, but he's very broken. His mentor Nick Fury is gone. Uh, his agency that he's pretty much built his life around is gone. Most of the world, including the other Avengers, think that he's dead. His you know his love the the cellist thinks that he's dead and now it all seems to have been for nothing at least according to the rest of the world and then here's maria hill who is you know was second in command to nick fury telling him give it up you know and like that has to be that has to be very very difficult right
2: Of course. Yeah. It's devastating. I mean, I'm sure, first off, he had respect for someone like that. I mean, I would assume that he had respect for her. And to be told that is, like you said, he's broken and then you're breaking, you know, kicking him while he's down, so to speak. It doesn't help. But it did, it did actually, like you said, it did some reverse psychology, you know, for the rest, the way the rest of this episode starts to pan out.
1: But it, it's interesting to me because she, her, Maria Hill and Nick Fury, they're not Shield, but they're still, like a, as we know, they're still kind of Shield. I mean, they're still very much involved. Like they don't have Shield on their business card on their business card, but they're still, you know, they're still almost working there. Yeah. It almost makes me wonder if Marie Hill going after Coulson is like a, you know, yeah, come join me in the private sector wink wink. We'll be completely normal people. We won't be doing anything spy related at all. Everything. And you brought it up you brought it up about the uh about the whole world thinking Coulson's dead. And I kind of thought about this a little bit b- b- earlier. And then I watched an, an episode, and it just kind of got me thinking. I don't know why, but there was that scene where they land the plane on the aircraft carrier. This is a couple episodes uh, uh, previous. And then all those, like, level 6 or level 8 agents walk up and start talking with Coulson thinking, there's a lot of people here who know Coulson's alive. And, and then I kind of remembered, you know, at the end of Winter Soldier, all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s files get released out into the world would Coulson not be on some of those files and then it also apparently like level seven agents is like the highest level is like the lowest level you can be to know that Coulson is alive because that's why like Sitwell's level seven uh Victoria Hand is level eight uh Smoke Monster Agent is level (laughs) seven
0: sorry that was that was really good (laughs) uh, well
1: played well played sir and then also like (laughs) hawkeye is level seven and captain america is level eight and i'm sure black widow is at least the same level as hawkeye that would be really strange if she was a lower rank than hawkeye but so hawkeye and captain america are of the level to know that colson is alive so do they know that colson is alive and again, all this information is leaked out into the public. T- Tony Stark, being who he is, he would probably have a look at this information and see like, oh, Coulson's on this report that happened five days ago. That's odd. I thought he was dead. Well, it's just...
0: So here's... here, And I mean, you're, you're right in I one I really sense. think Liam just found a fucking loophole. Uh, a plot hole, I mean. Well, so, so here's the way that I've always thought about it. Because realistically, there's acknowledgement from joss whedon that in the film universe colson is dead that's why they didn't bring uh him back in age of ultron or whatever because arguably the avengers excuse me still need to believe that he's dead because if not they had nothing really to avenge in the avengers so they 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 still need to believe that or whatever, and I don't disagree with what you're saying to a certain extent, but like, in one of the previous episodes, uh, it's mentioned that it might even be this episode. I, I think it was a previous one though, where um, Hill says to uh, May that the truth about Coulson or the truth about the Tahiti project was buried when Fury buried Coulson. That was this episode, am I correct?
1: Possibly. Maybe, next sec- maybe the next one or something.
0: Okay. But anyway, you guys know the, the point that I'm making. I'm not going to lie. For, for the viewer or the listeners out there, I normally watch these right before we record. I did that the last time. I didn't give myself a, a quick refresher this time. My apologies. Um, but there, there is that moment. Uh, and and then um, May is digging up the grave, and she finds like a little thumb drive or something.
1: So... Also, does does that not get reported on? It was like, oh, Phil Coulson's grave was was vandalized last night. And apparently, the, apparently it was empty. You know, is that not reported on the news?
0: See that one, I'll give you. Full on that that one I'll give you because that's a little a little strange. That one should have been reported. The other thing I'll give you is the fact that so many agents come up and talk to Colson or are around other people who talk to Colson or report to Colson or whatever. My only thing with it is because like one would think, well, oh, how could this stay a secret this long, like, oh, if Colson's alive and everybody's talking to him and everybody's talking about him, then, you know, sooner or later, like you said, Tony Stark would know or whatever. But my my question is, one, how many files did Fury actually have with Colson's name on them post mortem for art, for lack of a better phrase? And the other one is Hydra stayed secret for 70 years inside S.H.I.E.L.D. I, th- I would like to think that people would be able to keep the secret of Coulson for the last year or half a year or, or however long this is supposed to have taken place.
1: I suppose. But it just, it just, just seems kind of, kind of a stretch. I
0: Especially
1: will agree.
2: With... There is a very gray area there where... It's very gray, and they skated with it, and yeah, they may have kind of gotten away with it, but they also kind of didn't get away with it, so to speak. Like, they could have done it, like, yeah, it's too gray of an area. It could could be confirmed better in a way.
1: And plus, I don't buy that, like, the Avengers need to still think he's dead. You know, if like
2: Ultra, no way,
1: because like you're gonna you tell me if they had found out in like Infinity War that Colson was still alive, they're gonna be like, Nope, I'm not avenging anymore, Earth can go <laughs> screw itself. Like, they're still gonna, you know, it was just that little push they needed in that particular moment. It's not like you know, Colson's death isn't the glue that's holding the Avengers together or anything.
0: No, you're right. By Age of Ultron, it's it's not. And, you know, whatever. But I think at this point, because Age of Ultron, in terms of when this aired, Age of Ultron was still about a year away. And, you know, we know later on the timeline gets messed up as to when things actually take place and whatever. And there's been some talk about that all across the Internet for the last year or so or two or three or whatever. But by this point we're still fresh off the avengers because i believe avengers only came out a year or so before this maybe a year and a half because the thing that kicked this show off was one of the storylines from iron man 3 which was the film that directly followed the avengers and the fact that you know the the chitauri um weapons and things like that in some of the the early ones uh Colson and his team were going after them so the the events of the Avengers are still very fresh so perhaps by this point but by Age of Ultron which obviously we'll get to I definitely would agree his you know the secret of his being alive isn't needed or yeah isn't needed as much or at
1: all and because like even the Tahiti project, that's even a secret amongst S.H.I.E.L.D. So, like, within S.H.I.E.L.D., they're not trying to hide the fact that he's back. You know, most of S.H.I.E.L.D. thinks that he just shrugged off his injuries and, you know, recovered. You know, only few people of S.H.I.E.L.D. know that there was some sketchy business going on with him being brought back. So it's not like they're doing this to protect the Tahiti project or something. Right, right. It just kind of seems like the motivations for keeping him, his, you know, recovery. I guess you could say, secret are kind of flimsy.
0: I don't disagree. Like I said, I think. I mean, I can, I can uh, justify it to a certain extent. And like I said, I would use Hydra almost as the example of if they, if Hydra can, you know, remain secret basically for for seventy years. Then this idea of Coulson could could have remained secret, but I would I would definitely agree with Ellsworth's way of saying it's it is a very gray area.
1: Yeah,
2: and I, for for argument's sake, I kind of need to believe certain things in order for it to be a kick-ass show and just roll with it. <laughs> like you, you you get to a certain point where you can question things to a certain point where like. You can start to take away from it if you'd like.
0: Well, so there's a. And I
2: get how detailed the MCU really tries to be. And I get that. And that's why it's picked apart the way it is, which I kind of hate to some extent, too. But I, you know, I just try to roll with certain things.
0: So there's a comment I used to make a lot. Um, If anybody is listening from Lost with Friends, I would I would refer to this every so often. Excuse me. And um, it was basically how uh, being a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There was an episode where uh, several of the characters shared dreams and there was one recurring character who just had cheese he just sometimes he had cheese on his head. Sometimes he would be holding up cheese, things like that. And of course, you know, it, that was also a Joss Whedon thing. I think that was one of the episodes that he particularly wrote and directed um, as well. And his, he, he would say it for years after the fact that when people would come up to him, they would ask him about, like, what's the deal with the cheese man? And his answer was one, Every dream has that one inexplicable thing. And two, if you're asking me about the cheese man, then that means every other weird thing that happened in the dreams and on the show makes sense to you and i used to say the same thing about lost if you're asking and it was and i'm guilty of it myself if i'm asking about some of the minutia then that means that i understand the concept of the smoke monster and time travel and all of those other things that lost it makes sense right so i would say and i'm not and i don't mean this in in any sort of negative way at all i would say though that if we're looking at the minutia of how do they explain that Colson is alive but isn't alive and shouldn't the world at large know about this, then that to me says the fact that he has alien blood or DNA or whatever, Sky has it, the fact that there's Deathlock and all these other superheroes and everything else, all of that makes perfect sense that we're focusing on this one aspect of it because all of those other things we get it we acknowledge it it makes perfect sense to us do you know what i mean
1: and and, and that reminds me of another thing too it's, it kind of fits in what you're saying because there was another moment in an episode earlier which i want to call out too it was like at this point they still believed that the clairvoyant was a psychic and Coulson is again talking to you know Smoke Monster Agent about that, <laughs> and he and he was like, you know, Shield doesn't believe in psychics. I was like, wait, why doesn't Shield why can't Shield believe in psychics after everything they've seen? Psychics, like, no, that that's too much, man. Psychics, I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> well, really? to be
0: to be fair, at that point, if I'm not mistaken, and Ellsworth, please correct me if I'm wrong, because we've been kind of discussing these uh, over the course of a few weeks, and maybe you remember something that I don't. But I believe Coulson has mentioned once or twice that of all of the powered people that they've ever come across, they've never once been able to confirm a psychic to the point where they kind of put that on the side of not possible. Now, of course, to go along with your argument, Liam, I totally understand they probably would have said the same thing about Norse gods two, three, four years prior. But I, think, right. but I think that's the, the point that Coulson was making there, which was right now we haven't found anything, and despite the efforts that they've put in, they haven't found anything that proves it. So until otherwise, it doesn't exist. And we're going to say it doesn't exist until somebody can prove it. I think that right. was sort of the point there.
2: And don't they, this, at this point, like, we already, it's come and gone. They knew by this, like, already at this point what he was
0: well yeah, yeah no at, at this point that we're in yes but Liam was making a point to an, an earlier episode yeah
2: no I get you I, I get what you're saying that like well yeah no he made that reference he really did he said that exact almost word for word exactly that they have not encountered anything so it doesn't exist so you're right Um yeah. This episode was uh not too bad, you know. Overall you gotta like you said, you got that don't like to call it the necessarily cameo more of a guest appearance. Um had another guest appearance, so to speak, by uh Mr. Mike Peterson. Um
0: Yeah, Deathlock is is uh Becoming more and more of a... So, okay, so I I have to ask... um, Which I
2: like. I definitely like that he is. He's become a little bit more. I mean, I still have some reserved issues, but I like that they have been making it more and more.
0: So Uh, I I have to ask, and I believe Kevin mentioned it in the previous one where he said he's just like, oh, you know, he's like, I just want to say Deathlock because when he was on at the beginning of the season, he couldn't necessarily say that because you, Ellsworth, didn't know that. Now, having gone through this first season, would you have ever thought that Mike Peterson from episode one, the other than Sky, the first character we're introduced to, would you have ever thought that he would have went through the giant evolution that he has gone through to get to this point by the end of the season?
2: No, no, not no. I mean, i I would definitely say, I hoped when I saw him for the first time that he was going to be a character that I got to see more of and had some kind of story arc. I would have never guessed it was this. And I have to say, out of a lot of characters that aren't necessarily heavy hitters as far as on every episode in that aspect, his story... That man's arc has been insane, and they definitely did a good job yeah. of getting him there. And as someone who has a child, they using that aspect of manipulation was so believable. Going back to like, oh, we believe things. Yeah, I mean, every aspect of Deathlock becoming Deathlock, 100% believable, even up to the technology and how they did it and each part being added and how it was added and why it was added for the upgrade of this or him being taken over by this person. It, it's a great arc. I'm, I'm really happy with it as a first time watcher.
0: I would, I would, uh, I mean, J August Richards, who plays um, Peterson, Deathlock, whatever you want to call him. And I think we mentioned it at the very, very beginning of of starting these Agents of Shield episodes. I have known him. He was on Angel, of course, a Joss Whedon show. Um, I've since seen him in other things because I've realized, oh, hey, there's was a guy from Angel. I liked him in that. Let's see, if, you know, if he's in this, whatever. But I think he's one of those those characters that um, he and I mean, he was a guest star. He was a recurring guest star, and I think. You know, and I'm not trying to take anything away from the arcs of all of the main characters, meaning Coulson and his entire team. But I think he had one of the best arcs of the entire season, despite being a recurring, you know, guest character. Because, hey, I... go ahead. No, no, no. Say what you're going to say. No, I want you to finish. Because what? Because he. I can't even quantify it. He. In one aspect, like you said, he stayed the exactly the same because everything that he did was for his his son, his child. And that Just was Just under dur-
2: different circumstances.
0: Yes. And that's the thing is he changed from I want to do this so I could get a job to support my kid to. I'm basically going to be a, a mercenary for hire or you know basically because I you know there's an implant in my in my eye and they'll kill me if not that he still was doing stuff all just to protect his kid. And it's such a difference from where his character started to where his character ended up, which is of course the sign of a good arc, but his motivation remained the same the entire time. And you don't see that very often in in a good character arc, in my opinion.
2: Do you know what I think one of the key things is? Is because he was recurring, they could have fun with it and were a little more loose. And because they could do that, you got something so great out of it. They didn't have to be so... You know, like you said, we got to... We keep the same motivation the whole time with this character so that he has that same drive. But we have fun with what's causing that or why he's choosing to do what he's doing and that they got to have fun with that. And the writers got to have fun with that. And I think that's great. And that made for a great art.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things because had... And I'm and I'm not trying to take away anything, but we talked about it earlier in the season how there were several, like, case of the week sort of things. And we might find out a little bit of, of one of our main characters here or there. Or, we you know, that would be, like, the B storyline or whatever. But because Peterson only came in every few episodes, when you got a, a new thing about him, it was like, boom, new thing about this character instead of slowly developing little bits in every episode because let's let's be completely honest not every character had and i'm talking main characters colson's team the agents of shield not every character had a big thing to do in every episode not every character had a major kind of turning point in every episode you know obviously the the arc of ward only in, I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't good in terms of the twist when he was sleeping with May and then the fact that he had, you know, issues in his childhood and the fact that he was in love with Sky the entire time and whatever. And then, you know, the twist of he's Hydra. All of those things were good, but there were some episodes where it was more for me, at least as the first-time watcher, and I don't know how you felt about this Ellsworth, but I—I I, I know he wasn't necessarily your your favorite character this this season. But there were episodes for me, at least, where I was just like, okay, he's nothing in this episode. And I would say the same thing about Fitz, you know, Fitzsimmons as well. There was nothing necessarily new that we learned about them or nothing that necessarily made them or made me engage with them in that episode. They had episodes where those were big things, but not every episode. Whereas when Mike Peterson was there, it was a big deal because, oh, we're gonna learn something new about the development of Deathlock, the development of this program, You know, and whether they ever mentioned his motivations specifically or not, it was a big deal. It was a it was like a special attraction almost when when Deathlock was on because he was recurring.
2: No, you're 100 percent right. And as a first time viewer. It's it's very obvious now getting to this point to see because he bounced kind of good guy bad guy anti-hero you know what however you want to describe him when he was in between or floating but because because he kind of bounced bounced back and forth it allowed that more wow moments like you said like and it wasn't as bad because it was believable that these instant things were happening because instant changes were happening one minute he's here Next minute he's blown up in pieces and he's, you know, captured in his, you know, so it's believable that he he would make these transformations or these transformations would be happening kind of quick. So the wow moments are believable, you know, with your other main characters, they you can't give them those as intense wow moments without giving that in between, without it seeming a little off. Because you are seeing them more and they are usually only playing for one side. And because they're playing for one side, there there's not that so much switch or you know, one eighty flip in their um actions. Yeah, except for Ward, of course. So I mean that that's my, my that's my take on it.
1: I mean yeah, I agree with pretty much all that was said. I mean, the only the only thing I could add about Deathlock and this re- it really it's nothing against like the actor or the writer or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's standard with TV shows lower budgets, but I I really don't care for, you know, some of these costumes all that much. I mean, like jumping ahead a little bit, Garrett's little Deathlock look for his very last scene was Very goofy looking. (laughs) And that's just why I prefer when TV superhero shows do more plain clothes stuff, kind of like kind of like heroes or some of the Netflix MCU stuff. I mean, Luke Cage is just wearing a hoodie. Jessica Jones just has a leather jacket on it. It looks better. Then. Well,
0: t- to be to be completely fair, and I think this is something that Ellsworth and I have have covered in in previous ones. I, I would definitely agree. I think the I think Peterson's deathlock isn't too bad. I think the scars they give him to show more than anything works, especially because he's bald, so you definitely get to see more of it on his head. Um, I agree with with the concept of Garrett's costume there uh, at the end of of his. Uh, You know, moment. Um, But I think that's something uh, and it's something that I think we covered starting from the very first episode, which is this show, as much as it takes place in the MCU, excuse me, and it is a superhero show. It's not a superhero show. It's it's a show about, I believe I, I was trying to say it at one point and Ellsworth said the other guys You know, it's it's about the people who not necessarily that come in and clean up after everything all the time, but more about the the ones who don't necessarily have your superpowers and and things like that. Like, that's one of the things with Coulson is he didn't have superpowers. He was just a government agent. And I think as a good thing, I think they stayed away from this for a lot of it, which was not necessarily doing costumes on certain characters and things like that because they went the more, in general, and I'm not to obviously with, with the the Deathlock things, I, I would agree with what you said, Liam, but in general, I think they, they do tend to stay away from a lot of the more superhero-type um, costumes and things, and they focus more on the writing and the, the acting than... The budget for that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that, you know, the the budget for for costume design isn't there because it is because, you know, obviously the characters all have their very distinct looks. But this isn't necessarily a show about superheroes. It's a show about the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think overall, they tend to do a good job. And and it's something I've said previously, it's one of those accentuate the positives, hide the negatives sort of thing. So they have good characters, they have good storytelling, they have a good enough budget to get most of the stuff that they want to do done. So they do that. But when it comes to, like you said, certain costume-related things on a TV budget... You can't do it as well, so let's not do it or do it very sparingly.
2: Yeah. Like put Deathlock in an outfit where it covers up his leg so that we don't have to make a CGI leg. We just have to make a sound.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Or he's obstructed by something and you only see him from the waist up. Or we shoot him from the waist up. No, exactly. And I'm not discrediting or taking away again, but yes, it is... is it obvious to some extent, but I also understand. So it's another one of those things. I just roll with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Would I like a little bit more? Yes, I would love a little bit more, but I'm also not, I'm not going to sit there and pick it apart. I'd rather enjoy it for what it's worth. You know, it's not, sunday night anymore it's monday morning so enjoy freaking sunday you know what i mean like
0: well it's one of those things and it's something and you know i i try not to to do the you know lost references too much but it's one of those things where like when it came to lost cgi was not the the thing that they did very well in terms of budgets there were some man, things you, that polar bear wasn't good bro no i'm talking more but, the submarine at the end of season five it's very much become a laughing stock in the in the fandom and it was it was that wasn't real it was just awful um and so it's one of those things where i mean they used it sparingly enough they didn't i mean obviously the smoke monster and things like that not to get too far into the weeds on lost but They used it sparingly enough. Unfortunately, the few times that they did use it, it was like, oh, wow, this is terrible. But I think that was another another aspect of, okay, we don't necessarily have good CGI or good, you know, a good budget for it. So let's write a show that doesn't need it too much. You know, and I think that's what what Agents of Shield and many other TV shows as well. But I think that's one thing that that Agents of Shield did very well, including you know sort of the the end of this episode. I don't know if we have anything more to talk about with regards to um, nothing personal no, here. Let's
2: keep it moving. But
0: the end of of this episode is one of those things where it's literally just them, meaning um, uh, Coulson. And May and maybe Hill. Like I, I can't remember off the top of my head if she's there or not. But it's this no. this whole big thing of what's on this thumb drive or whatever you want to call it that was in Coulson's grave, and it's just Coulson talking to a camera, revealing it's it's exposition, but it's done in such a way because Clark Gregg I think is a fantastic actor. The rea- the reactions of the characters who are watching this, including Clark Gregg himself reacting to him, I think that's one of those moments where the writing and the acting takes over and you don't need big effects or you don't need anything else other than just the dialogue and the you know, the writers and, you know, obviously whoever, you know, lit the scene and directed it and all of that. It's how it was shot. Yeah.
2: It's how it was shot too, the narrative, man. That, that first person looking at the person with the black background, it's all black behind him. It's his face. He's You know, he's talking into the camera, and it's, like, like you said, it's the writing. They wrote in a very emotional scene, and he delivered it, and the way it's shot is perfect. And when you do that, I think it delivers the emotion. I did it in my web series, not to plug myself, but like Peter, my web series. I did it. It happens, you know, so... Um, uh you're right 100 that you don't need those special effects in certain scenes and they did it perfect with the way they gave us that information because liam that that information they gave us there at the end about who was running tahiti he was kind of big was it not yeah because as a first time viewer i didn't expect it to be who it was
1: yeah it was interesting
2: so i mean i i have to say i uh I got to admit, that was uh, not the necessarily person I expected to see talking, you know, when it was him, because, you know, they've been building up this Tahiti thing the whole time. And as a first time viewer, you know, that was something that I, I enjoyed was they gave us little bits and pieces. And every time they gave us another bit, they gave us another question. And then once again, we got to the end, we find out all about it, what it really is. And then once more, he still needs to know this other question and bang, we get it. And it's
0: well, him. I think one of the one of the great things is um, the fact that, like you said, each answer led to another question and things like that. But I feel like almost every time we've gotten one of these big answers, you know, at the one point he uh, he being Colson talks with the doctor in the back of the car and we thought that he, you know, there's that whole, where the doctor even thought he was going to get shot and, you know, and then we get the reveal of of the fact that the you know, it's, it's actually alien, you know, DNA or blood or whatever that's that, you know, is the Tahiti project or whatever, but each time it, I thought at least it felt like Okay, that's the answer. The answer at the time was... Excuse me. uh, Fury saved Coulson by keeping him alive. You know, they they stimulated his brain. We saw that little robot thing doing it. And and then they figured out how to save him. How to repair his heart and, and all of this stuff. Okay, fine. To me, that was enough of an answer. Then we end up getting oh, the way that they did that was through this alien, whatever. And then the way that they reveal the next thing, of course, this, what we're talking about here, which is that, you know, Coulson is is the, you know, the guy behind the Tahiti project and whatever, and that he was there saying that it should be shut down. And I thought that was was incredibly uh interesting and it's just what like you said uh, Ellsworth it's it's not necessarily who you um expect it to be considering everything that we have seen so far about this character with regards to this project because all he wants is he wants to know he wants to know and he says a lot of negative things about the side effects and sure. yet fury gave it to him anyway <laughs>
2: He did. But that's where we like. we've also learned that the robots ne- in his brain necessarily weren't keeping him alive and stimulating him. They were erasing his memories so that it would that he wouldn't have the same necessarily effects that the other uh, people had. The reason they wanted to shut it down
0: no no no. i understand that what i'm saying is is at the time that's that was the explanation and it's and and i think oh if that had been the explanation oh the robot, you know that little robot thing stimulated his brain until they figured out how to save him and then they did to me yeah. that could have been it okay yeah you know i
2: 100 agree with you 100 but i'm glad that they didn't stop with that oh
0: absolutely absolutely
2: especially for a first- time viewer because again this this made it like I'm I'm hyped and like I said once we're done here and I'm like I'm like I said I'm not I'm not really ahead by much at all like literally an episode I'm I'm going to take off <laughs> I'm literally I'm so excited to just be able to binge watch like 10 15 episodes a day <laughs> right Yeah. So I'm excited, and this next episode, uh, I'll just go ahead and segue us into the next episode is uh, ragtag, and what uh, what do you think? Because uh, I got to know you, and I know that um, you know, you have some very positive things about Ward there, Liam.
1: I don't know about positive things, but, you know, I haven't mentioned it yet in this particular outing of the podcast. But Ward is Ward is the character that I always found most interesting because I didn't really connect or care about a lot of the other characters. And it, 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 it almost seems like there's a little redundancy on that team. You know, like in the first half of the season before you get this word twist. It's almost seems like Ward and uh, May, they're both, you know, just the tactical badasses who are going to beat you up. And then Fitz and Simmons are just the, you know, science guys. It, it seems like, you know, you could have just had one of each and well, okay. that wall would have been filled.
0: So so to be fair, from a storyline perspective, I believe they, they commented on that, which it was – May needed somebody else there to be able to take Coulson down if he started to exhibit any of the signs that were, you know, associated with the effects of the Tahiti Project that we had just mentioned. All of the the terrible things that that he mentions in that thing, and that because Fitzsimmons works so well together, but they both have different um aspects of sort of looking at the same problem that they you know because they work like i said they work so well as a team and whatever that they were needed as like one thing so as much as may and ward are similar enough and Fitzsimmons are similar enough i think it was explained that you needed all four of them in case um colson went off the rails
2: Hey, uh, I may be wrong here, and I don't mean to, like, say this, but I thought she specifically said why she needed fits and specifically why she yeah, needed Yeah, it's
1: something like— I
2: think they each had a specific degree or what they specialize in.
1: That,
2: but, yes, it is that they work together, but she needed specifically what each one of them had, and well, that's, she that's... said what it was—
0: that's what I'm saying. Is like they could both look at a problem, but they come at it from two different points of view, based off of whatever you said. Like they you know the degree in whatever science they have or whatever, but they they do have that you know they it is there's okay here's the problem yeah. and they it's come like at it, from, it yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I, but I they do, th- do have like they have like different like I, I acknowledge they have like different fields like they're you know one's more involved in one field of study or whatever but i guess the more the point that i'm making is they're basically the same archetype of character you know they're both the nerd almost you know they're both the nerdy science character and you don't really need two of those not just and not talking about like a story standpoint, or like but like a show standpoint you know i don't really know if you need two I,
2: i i will say i get where you're coming from exactly in this first season The way the story goes, I will say, I kind of agree with you on some of that. Hey, I mean, I'm I'm okay with getting
0: rid of Fitz. Keep Simmons, though, because, you know, Gemma all the way. Uh, I
2: think Simmons is the better actor. Chloe Bennett, I love you. Chloe Bennett, I love you. But I enjoy that there are more than one of the different characters. So when we have had the stories where they do divide and conquer... We have had the different mix-ups of characters, so we have gotten to see that there are some differences between the two badasses and the two science geeks.
0: And I think it also works. There was an episode in particular, and obviously this is one instance, and I'm not saying there aren't others, but it may not be enough to, to justify the antithesis of what Liam is saying. But like, there was that one episode where Fitz and Ward went into Russia, I believe it was. And so Fitz got to be science guy, but also nerdy guy. And Simmons got to sort of sit back and worry about him, basically. So it was like, yes, they were both the sciencey person, they were both the nerdy person, but then there was also the other thing of he's nerdy, but he can be you know cunning and badass and she's nerdy but she can be um you know uh worrying and and sympathetic you know what i mean and and the other way around where when they went to one of the shield bases or whatever where her and sky were teaming up and she ended up i think she shot sitwell with a with an icer or whatever you know and so she got to to be sort of the badass but nerdy one because she was like stumbling over her words and and whatever. True. Um, so back to the... Ward no, yeah, part. so I, I did I did want to say, uh, I wanted to comment on it, uh, sort of expand upon what, what Liam said because um, and he's right, he hadn't mentioned it at, at any point in, in this particular version of us recording this um, but Ward was... I don't know. I I don't want to put words in his mouth and say Ward was the favorite character of Liam or anything like that. But like he said, he was the one that he kind of gravitated towards because he didn't necessarily connect with any of the others. But from the opposite perspective, even before the big twist and Ellsworth didn't know any. He knew the twist was coming in terms of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, but not necessarily in terms of. Who on the show, if anyone, would end up being Hydra? But Ellsworth had his reservations about Ward from the very, very beginning, and not just because they both vie for the heart of Skye.
2: No, you're right. But and 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 I said it, and I'll say it again that uh, I didn't necessarily get a lot from him. But I said it last time. I do like that Liam liked that character because it did give me and you know i apologize that you we're not all getting to hear it again but it did give me some different perspectives on that character and i have since looked at him a little bit differently since that discussion and you know i do i always do enjoy a different perspective of anything in life that you know gives me something different to look at and uh, you know, I like that it. it is different. You know, I'm glad that we all don't like the same person, especially that you don't like, you know, you're not trying to get Sky either, man. You know, you're trying to get the <laughs> nerdy girl. So, I, you know, we're cool,
0: Gemma. <sighs> um, <laughs> but yes, this episode, Ragtag, we get to find out a lot about Ward's past. And I questioned in the previous episode of the podcast. Um how somebody could basically be lured in by Hydra when, you know, we've all, well, at least in their in their universe, you know, they've all been taught that Hydra is the Nazis. And I believe Skye says it in one of the, I believe it was the previous um, episode, the nothing personal episode where she says, you know, th- you know, article one in the Shield Handbook, hydra was founded by the red skull who was a nazi because she calls ward a nazi and and he's just like i'm not a nazi you know and um and i mentioned in the in the previous one with kevin where i said how you know how could somebody anybody have you know fallen into the concept of you know being on the side of hydra and you know kevin mentioned like oh you know and again not to get too political like we you know we we didn't last time either but sort of a, you know have you seen the state of the world sort of thing is is how kevin presented it back at me but what i found interesting when when re-watching this was ward mentions when garrett asks him do you know anything about shield no do you know anything about hydra no And so that kind of intrigued me because this is one of the only times I believe that we really see somebody getting recruited into the concept of Hydra. And it's unfortunate that this character being Ward doesn't know the history because I would like to see how somebody else justifies the history of teaming on the side with the Nazis, basically. (laughs)
2: Yeah. You know, we see in this episode, though, that it's not necessarily that he sided with Hydra as he did with Garrett. And for all we know, he didn't know. And maybe Garrett never told him, and he was following him, but Garrett told his higher-ups. Or maybe he was being patsy, and if he wasn't, he told his higher-ups, you know, I got... You know, I got people involved. Don't worry. They're, you know, they're following me. They don't need to know anything else other than the orders I give them, so to speak. You know, they're trained to follow my order. You know, and we see that Garrett, that's, you know, for lack of a better reason, is broken in like a dog.
0: Well, yeah, -hmm. it was definitely more of a loyalty to Garrett than to Hydra, you know, but i like i said just from my personal th- perspective i would have liked to see more of this um, you know more of a development of how somebody could get swayed by that and i and it it, it could even have been that it could have been where all of them that were hydra were persuaded out of a loyalty to a person instead of a loyalty to an idea because that is arguably what shield is right like shield is loyalty to the idea of protecting the earth and the country and whatever else and and protecting the idea of freedom whereas it seems like most of the people in hydra are loyal to other people in hydra
2: yeah like they boys or yes. someone you know, like they're close to, which kind of makes a little sense because you know people are a little more inclined to be loyal to their friend than they are something you know what I mean like I could right. see that rolling over whereas it's probably easier to get someone to fall under a a manipulated loyalty to you than to an idea because an idea can you know unless it's a very strong idea and very few of them have been to, to last the test of time. And you know, the only ones that I will, we won't get into it are probably religious ones that they don't, you know, they don't stand for most ideas come and go. So,
0: well, that's so not necessarily the, the religious aspect of it, but um, a few years ago, American horror story did an episode or did a season on, Uh, you know cults and things and that was one of the things that i I don't know if if either of you watched that or if any of the listeners did so i won't necessarily go into it too much but the idea of the character that was the leader of the cult from the beginning of the season to being you know to, to basically what he sort of founded his cult on to what it became by the end of the season were two wildly different things and everybody was loyal to him and not to the cause, and I think that's very much a thing with a lot of uh, movements where you start out believing in the cause, or that's how they get you in is is the cause, and then they make you, whether through manipulation or whatever, however you know whatever tactics they use, that they make you then loyal to them. The leaders. And I would very much argue that there are certain religions out there. I don't want to speak generally that all religions, because I'm, I'm a fairly religious person myself, but there are a lot of religions that do that, where they lure you in with the idea of one thing, excuse me, to then make you loyal to them instead of the idea.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning. Uh, I thought about this again watching Winter Soldier. Uh, Hydra had this Project Insight thing which allowed them to you know, use algorithms and computers and whatnot to find people that they considered threats to Hydra. It's possible they could reverse that and use that algorithm to find people who would be more susceptible to join Hydra you know, hey, maybe maybe they saw that Grant Ward failed high school history and so he doesn't know who Hydra is and you know they decided to look him up and see if they could recruit him or what. You know, just just, you know, just something like that. You know, being Ward being more susceptible.
2: Yeah, being a product of the system, you know, yeah. no father figure, um, you know, these things make for someone who would follow a father figure like person and you know never had a home give him something to believe in and somewhere that's going to show him love like
0: well okay so with that and i i really really like that perspective do you think that's perhaps why in addition to being in love with her and so on do you think that's why ward wanted to lure sky into hydra because maybe he because he he seemed at various points in a in a subtle way he seemed to indicate that they you know came from similar even though they didn't come from similar backgrounds but he kind of he would often try to indicate that they came from similar backgrounds in that you know he didn't have a good childhood so she did you know and she didn't have a good childhood and he was seemingly abandoned and and she actually was abandoned and all of that and he found a kinship a brotherhood a family with uh garrett and whoever else because i don't even know if they ever really mention who knew like how they how yeah who knew who was hydra and how any of them knew or anything like that because what if you know uh what if ward would have went up to somebody else and whispered hail hydra like we see in in the winter soldier and that person wasn't hydra and then they would get freaked out and then he would either have to put them down or they would put him down or whatever, you know. But I-, I wonder if going along with what Liam said, if that's another reason, in addition, of course, like I said, to being in love with her. I wonder if that's another reason that Ward perhaps wanted to uh, recruit Sky.
2: He, mm. I'm, I'm, I definitely feel like he probably thought because he says it at one point, doesn't he say he thinks he like he doesn't even make it like kind of boastful that he can recruit her to Garrett doesn't even make it like seem I don't know if it's at this point or earlier on or he. I feel like he made it feel like he really could and he thought he could and I feel like it wasn't just because he thought they had a connection and love I feel like for that reason of manipulation he could because yes he saw a brokenness because they are they're two broken people that you know come from a similar background, like you said.
0: Right. Hmm. Um, In this episode, we also get to see uh, um, more of Trip, BJ Britt's character, and we find out, I don't know if we find out in this episode, but we definitely get more of a reveal on the fact that his grandfather was one of the Howling Commandos one of Captain America's um, original uh, team members or, or in his squad or whatever you want to call them. Um, and uh, we... we Basically, we get confirmation between the last episode and this episode. I think um, Maria Hill says it at one point, and then they definitely reaffirm it here, that what they're doing, they being Coulson, May, Fitzsimmons and Trip and Sky, what they're doing in going after Garrett and Ward is completely unsanctioned. It is a revenge mission. It's not anything that any government agency would ever back them up on or anything like that. They are, I believe they use the word vigilantes at one oh, point. Oh yeah. And that's basically how I mean, like I said, and, and it goes along, I think, with the whole thing of of Fury. I'm sorry, not Fury Colson still being a bit broken is that now he's basically he's doing the right thing. And, you know, it's one of those do the do the, the wrong thing for the greater good. But he's he's a criminal because he's he's extracting revenge and he's planning on killing two men and if it was government sanctioned, of course there's a moral you know gray area there of like is it okay whatever blah blah, blah. but he's just a man at this point, and he's it's a group of people just planning to kill two I, other men
2: <laughs> i I mean I- I I agree with you, but anybody with uh, alien blood is not just a man at this point in life. I'm sorry.
0: No, you're, yes, you're. you're you you right.
2: know, I mean, he may not have any super superpowers, but he is definitely way more than just your average man at this point. So, but yes, you were right. They are just out for some good old fashioned revenge. Yeah. And um, but 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 we get some good stuff out of it. I mean, we do get some good stuff out of this episode. As far as, as, you know, the flashbacks and, you know, which is very lost, like, and what's going on uh, in the uh, present day with uh, Sky's hard drive and the rest of the team and uh, Garrett wanting the, I know you, you know, the call sign for it, the G, the G number stuff. G, you- I have it right
0: in front of me. G H three two five. Is that to what you're referring?
2: Yeah, how he wants it for his organs. Well, you yes, know, I, because- know Liam, I, I know Liam brought up his thing for later on, but at this point, we we kind of get an idea of what's going on with him at this point.
0: Well, like, yeah, that's but, the thing is but, in this in this episode, we find out because they go to steal some fi- like they they plan a heist basically and um we find out that starting all the way back in 1990 uh Garrett was the first experiment in the deathlock project
2: so he was like the first one and but his organs are all messed up or something and he needs that stuff to Add to the centipede serum, right? Like, because he's already got that flowing through him, or something, or they're mixing it, or something, right? Something like that. By
0: the yes, by the end of this one, um, Reina, I'm actually seeing it here. Reina injects the sample into Garrett's centipede serum intravenous filter, saving him. Okay. And I mean that very much goes into the next episode uh which we'll get to in a moment but you know sort of how he's you know very much more than than human here um i I, there is an uh, a note here from the uh the wikipedia page about this so jeff bell and we'll get into this a little more later of you know the the writing and, and directing like we tend to do um but Jeff Bell, one of the co-showrunners of this series, uh, wrote this episode. And on the Wikipedia page, it says here, on the episode's focus on Grant Ward, Bell said, quote, "'Ward is showing all these different colors, "'and we thought it might be fun to show how Ward became Ward. "'Nothing definitive, because we're still driving towards our conclusion "'with Deathlock and Raina and Garrett and Quinn "'and our cavalcade of bad guys.'" But Ward really is front and center in this episode. I really do feel Ward is trapped between two families, or the two poles, because as we learned, he really does care for Sky, and I do believe he cares for Fitz and Simmons and the whole team to a certain extent, and that he was following orders. On the other hand, he has this deathly obligation to Garrett. And then it also says about the title, Bell explained, quote, the episode is called Ragtag and they've kind of lost everything. Maria Hill has told us as much there that there is no more S.H.I.E.L.D. And so how do we go on, and how does Coulson carry forward when the organization that he believed in more than anything is disbanded? It seems like, shield or no shield, our team has to try and bring Garrett and Ward to some sort of justice and conclusion, and that's where we're speeding towards. So, Liam, I, I want to ask, I mean, Ellsworth kind of asked earlier, but uh, I just want to get a little bit more if there is any like, so with this reveal of ward, obviously we know he's Hydra and all that sort of stuff, but we get a lot more of his, of his character and going back and doing this, you know, the, the little bit of the re I know you haven't been watching all of season one, but you know, we find out about him and uh, everything going on with, you know, how his older brother would make him, you know, torture the younger brother and, and um, how he does have this sort of blind obligation to Garrett and things like that. Him being, you know, again, I don't know your favorite character, if that's, if that's accurate or not, but a character that you, you gravitated more towards. Did you find anything different? Did you find yourself liking him just as much? Did you, find out anything here that maybe you didn't pick up on the first time like what what do you think because like uh like the quote I just read said this very much is a, a ward episode here
1: yeah uh i i liked a lot of i guess with ward it was i saw i saw a lot of potential with th- this character and you know i can't i can't get too spe- specific cuz we're still on season 1 I saw a lot of potential, a lot of places they could go with 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 this character and I I was kind of hoping that they would turn him maybe more into an anti-hero type character cuz that is always the characters I I tend to like a little bit more. And so I I kind of I guess I kind of saw the potential that Ward had but I kind of get the feeling that they didn't really know what to do with Ward beyond just, you know, twist reveal that he's Hydra. Because even a character like like uh, Triplet just kind of seems like a temporary replacement for Ward because they're, they're very similar. They're both, you know, subordinate to Garrett. And then, you know, season two, they introduce just basically British Ward, <laughs> in, my, in my opinion.
0: Well, so l- let me ask you guys both about this. At any point, and I mean, I get it, and it's one of those things where, it, you know, we, we said it before about a blind loyalty to a person or whatever, but, and I think we may have covered this previously, but at any point, why does no one really question Trip in any of this? Because, like Liam just said, he had a, a you know, mentor uh, relationship with... Garrett as well and it seems like except for the fact that okay Simmons stuck up for him he was just as and more recently he was under Garrett's tutelage but nobody really seems to question him potentially being Hydra is is it because he, I mean, I guess every, every little thing starts to add up, his grandfather being a howling commando, and the fact that he could have done this, and he, he could have done that, and whatever, but there were many times where Ward could have done or, or whatever, and he was just playing the long game, and did no one ever think that Trip could have been playing an even longer game? Oh, we'll let Ward get no. caught, quote unquote, but you stay hidden until we really need you to double cross them or triple cross them or whatever. I think it
2: goes back to the longevity of which Ward was with Garrett. He was with him for so much longer. I I really feel like even though they don't say it, they imply it enough that that I think it's you know, I get that, yes, they sh- they maybe should have maybe even mentioned that they looked into everybody. But I don't feel like I would look into like just based on knowing what I know, I wouldn't look into that character as much or that person as much because I would see that I was like, oh, this person was with this person for a very long time and was being groomed to be this way, you know? Because I I feel like it's only been a short amount of time since he hasn't been with Garrett, correct?
0: It's definitely not as long. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not been, like,
2: ten years. You know what I mean?
1: My question would be, Did Garrett have intentions of bringing Triplet into Hydra too? Because if not, why would, you know, someone who's within Hydra basically train a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's going to have no chance of becoming Hydra? I feel like he would want to get someone else like Ward who he knows he can trick into being Hydra. Why go after someone who's never going to ever join Hydra?
2: Maybe that's one of the reasons they were so successful for so long was keeping themselves separated with real agents and among real agents and working and working real agents. Maybe the long game was to slowly manipulate real agents again into doing their bidding and their work. But I will say what I do have the biggest kind of issue with is Ward's blind loyalty to someone who told them, do not trust me.
0: That's a character flaw in Ward, though,
2: because yeah,
0: realistically, and and not to get too much into my personal life or your personal life, Ellsworth, and perhaps oh. Liam's as well. I don't know uh, his exact uh, status on this, but I am more than certain that when it comes to whether it be romantic relationships or whatever there are red flags that you choose not to see. Sometimes you may see them in retrospect. And there are times when people will say, Hey, I'm just no good. And you say, ah, I don't see that and whatever. And then perhaps in retrospect, again, you find out, no, you know what? They were telling me the truth. I shouldn't have trusted them as much. And that I'm not just talking romantic relationships could be friendships as well. Oh, no, you're um, right. But you know, I think it's one of the, I think it's just, it's a human Flaw, but I think it's definitely a character flaw with Ward in particular.
2: No, oh, I get it.
0: And you didn't have to get on my on my case just then when I you thought I don't know what you thought I was gonna say.
2: <laughs> what you talking about? I didn't get on your case.
0: <laughs> when I said about about personal life, and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> no, I
2: was just making a noise, man. Oh man, yo, listen. We start a podcast called Dirty Laundry, and I'll sit and air mine right out. <laughs> I make sure my some of mine stays in the streets. That way, nobody else can air it out for me.
1: Have Have you guys seen the uh, Punisher Dirty Laundry short film? No, but oh, you should check, that's, check that I'm out.
0: That's the one where the guy who who did like he filmed it on his own, right?
1: Well, yeah, it was like it was this guy Addy Shakar, I think. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he does like he 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 calls it We're good uh, on that
2: podcast and not pronounce
1: the names he calls it the bootleg universe. So he kind of makes like fan films that aren't, you know, aren't real, aren't legit, but he gets away with it, or whatever. And so he, he has one of Punisher it's Thomas Jane who is, I believe the second Punisher. And he was pretty good as the Punisher. The movie wasn't too good, but he made like a little short film bringing Thomas Jane back as the Punisher. And he has like a short film about venom from Spider-Man three, but it's not, it's not total for grace, but it's, it's still meant to be the same character.
0: I've heard yeah. of that. I haven't seen it though.
1: Pretty good. You know, just just as you said, dirty laundry, and that's that, that's what it's that's what it's called.
0: Um, and then by the end of that episode, the ragtag episode, I don't know if we necessarily have uh, anything more on that. But the end of that, we see um, that Quinn, the millionaire guy, who's uh, he's the one who, right? He's the one that shot. Sky, yep,
2: yeah, yeah. fucking dick.
0: <laughs> he is getting ready to sell the Deathlock concept to the military, and I thought that's a nice twist. Um, it's really. It seems reminiscent of Iron Man three. So it's kind of interesting that I'm talking with with Liam about this here because that was basically one of the uh, the plot points of Iron Man three was selling the military on these things, and once again, it's the quote unquote bad guys who are trying to, um, you know, sell these these whatever super the soldiers. Super soldiers. Thank you. Uh, to the military.
2: Of course. It's always the bad guys.
0: <laughs> um, but that leads us right into the final episode of the season. Uh, and the third episode we will be discussing, which is beginning of the end. Of course, the title is a slight twist on end of the beginning, the episode right before, uh, Captain America two, um, but uh, yeah, Coulson, May, Sky, and Triplet are uh, still being attacked at the base or whatever you want to call it where uh, where death the Deathlock characters are made. And one of the things that we didn't really talk about too much um was the whole ward thing and i i said about a character flaw in him with regards to being super loyal to garrett but uh in in the that one jeff bell said the fact that he, ward is being pulled between two families here basically because he does have something of a loyalty to colson and the team and that's why he can't bring himself to flat out kill um, Fitzsimmons and instead just shoots them in the pot, you know, out of that shoots them, but shoots the pod that they are in into the bottom of the ocean. Oh,
2: hey, hey, Paul. Yes, hey, sir. I have, a, I have a note on my whiteboard here that the next time we talk, we didn't mention that the Fitzsimmons thing about them at the bottom of the ocean on the last podcast so we need to mention that go ahead continue I just want to I wrote that down
0: so for those unaware here's the story of that because uh, Ellsworth said before about airing dirty laundry so I will air a bit of my own dirty laundry here Um we did this entire as I said before we did this entire episode previously Um, We're hitting on some of the same points and we're coming up with new points, which I absolutely love. We did the entire episode and did not talk about Fitz and Simmons once. I think we may have mentioned them like in passing, but we didn't talk really a single thing about them. And we said, oh, then, you know, when when we do see, you know, the beginning of season two, um, cause as I said, it's going to be Liam. The plan is Liam and I for season two, probably going to have Ellsworth on at the very beginning, maybe feature him and some other people throughout as well. Um, but we didn't mention them. So, you know, we said about wanting to, to talk about them and Ellsworth made a note because I kind of challenged that he wouldn't remember and I wouldn't remember. I didn't know if Liam would remember. So Ellsworth, of course, calling me out on my own podcast. About a note that I made him write down, and I remembered to bring it up on my own. Yeah, you did. No, you did. You remembered. No, you remembered. You definitely remembered. I'm just pointing out that I remembered
2: to write it down too, because you know, I followed through on on the order. You
0: know. Yes, you did. Um, but so so, what do we? Th- I mean, we get. This is where we get the the Nick Fury. Return is with this storyline, um, and, you know, it takes a little bit between the previous episode and this episode where they, uh, they're they trapped at the bottom of the ocean, they being Fitzsimmons, and, you know, they're trying to figure out, can we release the pressure and leave here, and if we do, you know, can we even survive you know, the the weight of the ocean, the amount of water that we might intake, you know, and drown us. Excuse me. Can we survive the fact that we'll just be floating in the middle of the ocean and whatever they end up getting out? And this is the sort of return of Nick Fury here. They actually got Samuel L. Jackson, not just a cameo like he did earlier in the season, but a full on guest appearance here almost i'm not gonna say as much as kobe smolders as maria hill but similar he's he's featured throughout this episode
2: yeah and you're right are we just going to dismiss the fact that we finally get like my man has to wait till he's about to die to like profess his his pound love to simmons I mean, I, I mean, I know that's your girl.
0: I why did he have girl. to wait so long? Like he yeah, shouldn't, know. he should have told I, I mean, her right then, I, you I, know, at the very beginning, the first time he ever met her, because how could you not fall in love with Gemma Simmons?
2: Okay. So, you know, as someone who's in love with her and is just a, a, a man that, you know, is a lover, homie, don't wait, don't wait so long. And guys out there, if you're listening, like, don't wait. If you're waiting, stop waiting. Continue.
0: No, I, very, I I agree. Shoot your shot. What's the worst thing that could happen? I literally was about to say the same fucking shit. <laughs> I was going to be like, shoot
2: your shot. Okay. That's what I like to hear.
0: Shoot your Sweet. shot. What's the worst that happens? They say no. Okay. Cool. Yeah, cool. you're going to be upset, but it's what happens. Uh, the, at least then hey. you know. Not hey, knowing uh, is worse than knowing.
2: Yeah, and you know what? I'll have a new Chloe Bennett next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but now, all of this is interesting, because as we found out um, uh, in the discussion that we did the last time, and he's he's being awfully quiet over there, Liam, you're not necessarily a fan of Fitzsimmons, is that correct?
1: No. no not, not really. I mean, I think like, You could have been fine with one of them. I think, I think Simmons is a better actor than Fitz is, and they also kind of represent what my least favorite aspect of the show. And I see this a lot in other shows. Is what's referred to sometimes as techno babble. Yes. You know they're they're saying this like scientifically scientific nonsense stuff really fast and saying in a British accent. To, to, to try and distract you from the fact that they're basically speaking gibberish I mean you see it a lot with you see it a lot with like new Star Trek you know well the, to the be Scarf fair game.
0: yeah no the even Please. even old Star Trek was was absolutely correct with because they used to jokingly refer to it as Trekno Babble and they would even write in the script uh something about you know insert. Either techno babble or trekno babble here, and then they would hand it off to a scientist who would write out whatever the actual explanation was. That's actually, that's a, and that's legitimately a fact from Star Trek The Next Generation. So uh, you're absolutely the differences. right.
1: <laughs> the difference is here, they're not like they're not giving it to, they're saying say techno babble and they're not giving it off to the scientists to fill in the blanks. They're just saying words. Like, I, I really think they're just saying words that sound scientific. I mean, like, yeah, the fan isn't supposed to understand, you know, scientific things. But it, there's got to be some sense of what they're saying makes a little sense. Like, you can, like, pick up words here and there. Like, like okay, that kind of makes sense, I suppose, a little bit. But here they're just talking nonsense. And it it, it annoys me when you see it a lot in, in stuff like this.
0: See, I feel like, okay, uh, yes, the, the accents are, are... – I mean, I wouldn't use distracting. I might say endearing, but that's just me. But uh, I, th- I think that they do it in a way because I think the two of them are funny enough, and they have a good banter—not just with each other, but with some of the other characters. That although it is techno babble to use the you know the word that you used, it see, I, I don't see it that way. I, I see it as coming off more as they, because they are, the two of them are socially awkward, so that plays a part in it, and I think it it's more of a character quirk to for them, the two of them.
1: Right. It's just, it, it, it really comes down to you know, what's, what's kind of become of science fiction over the last you know decade I would say and it's not it's not something I'm going to get into too much now I feel like I'll talk about it at some point probably but they they really represent kind of the things that I just really don't like in other shows and this show so I mean you could have could have gotten you know you, you really only, you only need one of them and what what I will say I found was interesting is that Fitz was kind of the last one to still have this little bit of faith in Ward, going like, oh, maybe you know, maybe Garrett has a thing behind his his eye, which I would say I, I feel like is a valuable, I mean, is a reasonable thing to you know suspect, like, well, maybe maybe Ward is being manipulated somehow, being controlled, but Fitz is the last one to kind of believe in the little bit of good in Ward. And Fitz ends up being, you know, the most damaged, physically at least, by Ward's actions.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
2: I mean, I agree totally with what you're saying. And it makes sense, you know, why it should be that way. But at the same time, like, that's also all the more reason why it's written that way. Because that's what makes it such a bittersweet thing. Is yeah. he's the one who's directly affected, like you said, most physically um, by his actions, and he was the last one. So it is. It's that, you know. It's kind of like, you know, it's almost like the universe played a cruel joke on him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, because he had the faith, he got. You know, he instead of getting rewarded, he kind of got fucked, mm, fucked over. You know, but kind of like the. You know, oh, I, the I told the ultimate. I told you so. Wow. You know, but at the same time, like you said, it, it's that. Got, like we we've, we've broken down the different characters, and you know, they all have these flaws. We said, you know, Ward has a flaw of. Being loyal, well, he has a flaw of wanting to see the best in people. He has hope. And, you know, call it what you will, it's his flaw, but that's part of that character. And that's also what makes that character, you know, enduring in some other moments because he has that hope or he sees that in people. And when it does come out, it is genuinely nice to see.
0: And as Saeed Jarrah taught us in several early episodes of Lost, hope is a very dangerous thing to lose.
2: Man, I love the Lost (laughs)
0: reference. Did
1: you guys notice uh, in the earlier episodes when you were dealing with Victoria Hand, one of the, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that followed her around all the time was... I can't pull his name off the top of my head, but was the guy who was with Aldo in season six killed by Claire? No. Do, do you not? I was, know who
0: you're talking about. I didn't realize that though.
1: Because two two others went to go get Sawyer. Two others went with Kate to go get Sawyer. There was the Aldo who was in season three, and then there was the... The other guy, who Claire, who Claire keeps alive and then eventually kills with the axe, that guy was in an earlier episode of Agents of Shield, playing Victoria, Han, one of Victoria Hand's agents, with her. I can't why can't I remember his Justin?
0: That sounds right. The guy goes like, oh. I didn't realize that though.
2: I mean, there's so many other crossovers that make sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: You know? Just thought it was interesting.
2: That is. I mean that's I mean, that's cool. For people like us and you know, probably most of the listeners who would listen to stuff like this, that's the kind of stuff that is cool. And that, you know, I like hearing. I like finding out that stuff when I listen to podcasts or when I watch something and see something I never saw before, or somebody tells me something like that. So I mean I appreciate the information. So thank you.
0: Absolutely, yes. Um, another one of those like just I mean this, this whole episode, I mean to go along with with Liam's you know cool interesting fact. I think this episode has a lot of cool interesting stuff in it. Garrett starts becoming like he see he, he I think he comes just shy of referring to himself as a god basically. Um, like I said, we, we got Nick Fury to appear. Um, and yeah, not just you, Nick. You I mean, already
2: know what, you know what my favorite part is. Cause we discussed it last time.
0: Well, right. But nobody else is, is ever going to hear that but us. So why don't you tell us one more time? Yeah. but I
2: mean, did you want to get there this soon? Or did you want to talk any more about the episode? You want me to just go ahead and skip down? I mean, we do just skip. So yeah, I'll go ahead and get there. Why not? It's, I love uh, how you just talked yourself into it. <laughs> I like how... Um, You know, when Fury does appear here at the end of the episode, um, I talk myself into everything, man, both good and bad decisions. I like how Nick Fury uh, talks to Coulson and, you know, Coulson's all worked up about why he kept him alive and this, that and the third. And, you know, he told him to not do it. And it was supposed to be to save an avenger. And Fury says I did. You know, and at that moment, there's this look. It's just, it's one of those moments that I, I hate to say, you get a little choked up. But I might have got a little choked up because it was real, like, you know. And he kind of, I feel like at that moment, for that character, he kind of, his thinking shifts a little bit. Mm. You know, because now he feels a little differently about why Nick Fury did it, you know, and what he saw in him as, you know, a, a person and an agent. And, you know, that changes, you know, here again, everything he lost throughout all of this episode. And now the man that he respected the most tells him why he did it. And you know, basically he saved an Avenger, calling him an Avenger, and then gives him the tool box to build Shield back and wants him to, makes him the director. Yeah. That's a huge, huge thing. And yeah. that really moved me. Like that 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 was a perfect just ma to the end of the episode.
1: I like the uh, I like the little exchanges between Fury and Coulson when they were both confronting Garrett. You know, Fury goes like, "You didn't tell me he was this crazy."
0: I, I like the fact that uh, when it's Fury and Coulson on one side and Garrett and Deathlock on the other, and I believe Garrett makes mention of um, something about a, a match that no one thought they would ever see four, you know, a, a two tag teams of four dead guys or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the, I thought there was an, that was a nice little almost wrestling reference, but I just thought it was really funny that it's like, Oh yeah, that's right. All four of them pretty much, you know, are dead. <laughs> like at this point, <laughs> and true. Then,
1: and then Colson and then uh, Garrett misquotes Nick Fury's one man. Can be like, <laughs> and then, And then Garrett will continue on and Garrett's just like monologuing in the background and then Nick Fury and Colson are just ignoring him and talking to each other. Like you, like you understood what I was saying, right? Yeah, I got it completely. And he's just monologuing in the background. I thought I liked that too.
2: It was a great exchange. Yes, it really was. Now that you bring it back up, it was. And again, we got some of those, we got the I think we get those one liners from Colson. I like, but we got those, Him and Nick Fury and, you know, those just two characters together because they have that chemistry of being on screen together when they get going. That little banter and the way they interact is it's it it really it works and it's it's nice to watch. It's fun to see. You know, it's good. It's good television.
0: And I just I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, Liam. uh, I forgot about that. I, I definitely like that one where he's just like you've been doing all of this because you missed out on like a word or whatever. I just yeah no it was fantastic. Um, we also get of course the uh, the moment where Sky frees uh, Ace, which is Deathlock's son, using a code that only the two of them would know. Dad, what are we? We're a team. And Peterson then um, tries to kill uh, Garrett. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't th- think we're missing anything, other than the, the the ending where, as Liam commented on, the, uh, the terrible suit that Garrett wears, but we only really have to see him in it in about five, for about five seconds before Colson <laughs> obliterates him, um, in another fantastic sort of one liner fashion where he's like, Oh, you know, Hey guys, here it is. Or Hey guys, it still works. Or, you know, whatever he said, uh, with uh, the,
2: uh, I told you to be in here. Yeah.
0: Here. Um, and then like you said, Ellsworth, the, the line about, um, that uh, Coulson was the Avenger that the, you know, project Tahiti saved.
2: Cause he was the heart. He was the heart. Like that's, you know, he, he, the heart of everything, you know, that's what he was like. You have muscle and you have brains, but the heart of the organization is what drives something. And he always was that. And that's, you know, that's what, Fury wants to jumpstart the new shield is the heart of the old shield you know the only part of it that was true so to speak
0: no you're you're absolutely right and and you know like you said he gives them the cube and directs him to well through the cube directs them to um, what we find out is called The Playground, uh, where they meet Billy Koenig, which is Patton Oswalt again. Yay, Patton Oswalt <laughs> is back. Which I know you like that. <laughs> um, and he uh, he gets to do the line again where he says, you know, uh, Agent Coulson... You know, your lanyard will be provided lanyards for others will be given out on a case by case basis. Like he's so into the lanyard protocol. (laughs) I love it, though.
2: (laughs) I love it, though. The consistency. I love it.
0: Uh, And one of the last things we get is uh, Raina who we didn't really talk much about Reina here, and I know Kevin is going to be very upset when he listens to this, and there's not much Reina talk. Sorry, Kev. Um, not that she hasn't been important, but I feel like there was m- much more important stuff than her in these in these episodes. But, however, she was slowly uh, manipulating some things and, and pulling some strings and things like that. She even basically said to both Garrett and Ward that she didn't see their vision of whatever the next step in Hydra or whatever was going to be because she really believed in the concept of the clairvoyant. She had other motivations for things uh, and whatever. And so um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a nice way to sort of set up what might be coming next for her and one of the ways that they do that is the fact that she gives a picture of Skye to someone who uh, Wikipedia and I believe the press releases at the time only referred to this person as the doctor and, and tells the doctor that she uh, has information on his daughter meaning Sky. And um, the only other thing that sort of, other than that cliffhanger, obviously the playground cliffhanger, um, in the end, tag Colson, I'll read it right from Wikipedia. In the end, tag Colson begins experiencing hypergraphic episodes as a belated side effect of the GH325. And we saw that with Garrett earlier. There's the same. Or similar uh, symbols that um, we saw in um, Russia when uh, when Ward and Fitz went in, which we actually referenced earlier. And um, it's something that, that I believe he, he made mention of in that video recording of himself a few episodes ago, where they would start to not sleep and draw crazy things and whatever, and now those side effects are coming to fruition here with him. So not only do we get to, this is, this is what I think is arguably a fa- it's, it's one of the best ways I often think to end a, a season finale. Um, and I've talked about it many, many times before. I think, all but one season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer did it perfectly. I'm not saying other shows didn't, but it's sort of my go-to in regards to that, where you wrap up everything in the story, but there's just enough that obviously there's, you know, the characters can and will go on. However, if there, if this was the end, it's also fitting. It's a fitting series finale. If that makes sense.
2: You kind of got your, you kind of got your full. You know, they they showed you dessert, but you, you don't know that you're going to get dessert. And you can you might eat it, but if you don't get it, you're okay. You got what you needed, and you can go on about your business. I like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I got some analogies tonight for
0: you, man. <laughs> You are on your game tonight, sir. Not that you aren't normally, but you are on your game tonight.
2: I appreciate it. I feel pretty good tonight. I'm definitely, uh, I got to say, you know, we definitely do a little re- late recording, and sometimes I try to be uh, as peppy as I can, but I'm in a really good mood tonight, and it's been a, a really good uh, night of talking with you gentlemen. So um, I feel, I, I also feel a little more invigorated by this session of talking with the three of us i feel like you said we covered some things we didn't and i felt like it made for a much better session of discussing this and as this being the end of my you know go here as far as like co-hosting with this first season and watching it as the first time you know not only can i thank you enough for having me this was great it got me into this show you know, and like I said, I am an episode uh, actually two ahead, but I'm so excited to continue to watch it and see where these characters go. And, you know, it's been been cool to be able to talk it, about it and chop it up and
0: well, so meet, let meet me- other
2: people. So I appreciate you introducing me to some of your friends, you know, since we became friends pretty much over the course of this. Um, you've now introduced me to some of your friends and allowed me to, you know, chop it up with them as well about,
0: I uh, mean, it's, I've said this before, both, both on mic and off mic. I, I absolutely love when people that I like talking to end up liking to talk with the other people that i like talking to i could have worded that better but one of my favorite aspects of doing any of these shows whether it be paul and all lost with friends wrestling renegades when we did it uh or mcu and me um I have two very good friends who were my co-hosts on Wrestling Renegades. They have still, as far as I know, they have still never met in person. They talk more with each other, I think, than either one of them talks to me now. And I don't mean that as any sort of knock. It's just how it is. They've become very good friends. And, uh, you know, uh, I love, as much as I love Hosting the shows or co-hosting the shows and contributing to the conversation and whatever one of my absolute favorite parts of doing any of these shows is when you get two people on like the two of you who you two can go back and forth and I get to sit back and and be a fan of the show because I'm a fan of you two and I'm a fan of anybody that I've ever had on the shows that's why I have them on the shows so when I get to be a fan Of my friends talking to each other, whether they've just met or whether they've also known each other for years. That's my absolute favorite thing. I love the things we talk about, but I love getting to hear my friends talk about the things that we love. And so um, I am very excited for what comes next. I I have to ask, though, I'm going to set this question up and I'm going to ask it to Ellsworth first. And then I'm going to, and then I want Liam to uh, give his answer
2: before you give your question. Two seconds, Liam, we both plugged ourselves tonight with our other projects. Is there anything you'd like to plug? (laughs) Cause if you didn't catch that folks, that was all his other podcasts. Make sure (laughs) you check them out. That was not, that was not what I was
0: going for.
2: (laughs) I know it wasn't, but Hey, Free publicity is free publicity. Let's go, Liam. Anything you want to plug?
1: <laughs> I'll I'll do my usual pluggings at the end. Not no, not much you. to plug.
0: Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I guess there is, go, but no, go right. ahead with your questions. So my my main question is this, and like I said, uh, Ellsworth, I'm I'm kicking it to you first, and then I would love to hear Liam's thoughts on this as well. So we get um we we get left with several things here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run through some of the things I may not cover all of them, but I'm gonna run through some of these things that that we get set up that are potential for season two or or you know whatever in the future. Those being, where is Fitz? We don't really we don't really see him. We teased it a little earlier, but where is Fitz? Um, and sort of the fallout of the FitzSimmons trapped in the ocean and you know, the, the fact that they've admitted feelings and whatever. So we have that. We have the fact that they are now at the playground. We have the basic rebuilding overall of shield. We have, uh, this concept of Reina and the doctor, the doctor potentially being sky's father. And we have Coulson experiencing these, uh, side effects of the GH three two five. So basically, my question is: Out of these things, and maybe some others that I may have missed, what intrigues you the most going forward? What what out of these are you looking forward to uh, seeing unfold the most?
2: I mean, well, we kind of end. I mean, we we definitely end with the Coles thing, but we kind of end with you know just the kind of stick to this we end with like the colson uh it's colson may triplet it doesn't end with them kind of like we get a scene of just like a little bit of half the team at the bottom of the plane i think sky might be standing there they're like what do we do and he's like you know what whatever it is next or something I feel like they even paused for a second like because it was like a little like moment where they, you know, it's that moment of stance where you see the team. They're kind of in a little U shape. Anyways, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have Fitz there. So we don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious is to see how that plays out because all I know is he's not there. So that means he's still not okay. I don't know exactly what's wrong with him. I mean, I've gotten a small glimpse, but I'm not going to jump into that, but I don't know what's wrong with him at this point. I just know that he's not there. Simmons is definitely upset. Um, We have the whole, you know, the team is now kind of following Colson, you know, so, I'm excited to see what kind of direction he's going to go and what he's going to be put up against and obstacles against him and how he's going to deal with now. He's not just leader of the team. Like he's trying to rebuild. So, you know, what's his plan of action of doing that? Like, so, you know, and is that going to be a main focus as we go forward or not? Um, And of course I want to know what the deal is with this whole, you know, Reina and the doctor, a.k.a. Sky's father. I mean, this is a man I'm going to have to meet and get the blessing of to marry his (laughs) daughter. I mean, and I believe that was, I don't think it was ketchup dripping off of his hand as he picked up the picture. It looked more like blood. So, you know, I definitely am excited about whatever kind of story they're going to introduce with that. I do expect to be toyed with and played with with this going forward beings what kind of show it is but you know we have talked about that and you guys have mentioned that they had to play with a certain parameters up until you know we got past the the Hydra reveal and now the show can kind of take you know a, a a certain direction and then even later on they kind of said hey this is our our audience, we're running with what we ever, whatever storylines we have going on. And then, of course, also with Colson leading this team, you know, that last bit about him having these these nightmares or dreams or whatever it is he's experiencing, how is that going to affect him and what is that that's happening? You know, what is this now? Um, You know, is he going to be mutating? Is it something in his mind? Like, these are all these are questions. You asked me a question and now I'm asking questions. So to answer your question, I have questions.
0: So off of so- that, um, Liam, obviously, with with going into season two and, and you have a bit more information than Ellsworth has. Is there anything that you're in particular out of these sort of cliffhangers? And, and I said maybe I even forgot some. Is there any Without well, hopefully, without giving too much away, is there any that you're really excited about us covering?
1: Uh, well, one, I guess I would be interested in the Doctor storyline, and you know, I'd hope they they cast some actor that I like a lot and have seen him <laughs> in other things.
0: So, <laughs> um, I and, I completely I because I remember who it is. I. Completely agree. And I cannot wait because it's you in particular. I cannot wait to talk about that.
1: And something else that I would hope would happen. And I guess this is less to do with the show, but you know, we'll, we'll, flash back and pretend it's still 2014. I would hope at some point, one of these characters introduced in the show would, Cross over into the movies because we've had a lot of characters who were, you know, Sif and Maria Hill and Nick Fury and Jasper Sitwell, all these characters coming from the movies into the show. I feel like going forward, it would give the show a lot of validity if we had a character who was introduced in the show pop up in uh, one of the MCU movies, which I guess could still happen. I mean, I I haven't seen uh, Agent Carter, the the show Agent Carter, but I thought it was neat to see, you know, a character from there pop up in, you know, the movie we saw them in recently. I guess I won't spoil that. I don't know.
0: I know what you're talking about, though.
1: But, yeah. I guess there's still time to do that, but it's what I would like to see.
0: Fair enough. Um, guys, do we have anything else? Um, the only things I can think of, uh, with regards to these three episodes, and, uh, this is something Ellsworth, we didn't do last time, but I wanted to specifically make a note of it this time. And I didn't even have you write this one on your whiteboard. Um, episode 20, uh, nothing personal was written by DJ Doyle and Paul Z. Not even going to try to pronounce his last name. We haven't been able to do it since Lost with Friends. We've never been able to do it on this show. Um, it's it's a, a name. If anybody has ever seen it, if anybody out there knows how it's pronounced, please let us know. Because cause, cause I've been wondering. I was. Because I was. I couldn't even tell you. Uh, but I I would be interested to know. I mean Ellsworth, you're on IMDb. I'm assuming he has to be on IMDb. Maybe you two can uh, can somehow get in touch through some sort of uh, official channels there. Um, and the episode was directed by uh, Billy Gerhart, who has worked on various things such as The Walking Dead, Sons of Anarchy, Torchwood. Um, he is a television director he also used to be a steady cam operator so he definitely knows about uh framing a shot and things like that the episode ragtag as i mentioned earlier was written by jeffrey bell one of the co-showrunners and directed by roxanne dawson who actually uh is an actress uh producer director and writer she was on star trek voyager and And she's done quite a few other things, uh, not necessarily enough, uh, that, uh, which I'm sorry, not, I don't want to say not necessarily enough, perhaps too much that, uh, if I started reading her credits, we might be here for another hour or two. Um, and then the episode beginning of the end written by Jed Whedon. The husband and wife team of Jed Whedon and Marissa Tankerow and the other two uh, of the co-showrunners and directed by David Stratton, who, um, as we've talked about before, he has done all sorts of things. He's worked with Joss Whedon in the past. He's done Fringe. He's done House. He's Woo. done Heroes. He's done um, Dollhouse, which, of course, was a Joss Whedon show. He's done Charmed. He's done All that sort of stuff. Very much your standard TV director. And yeah, I I don't know if we have anything else with regards to these three episodes, but I'm going to open it up to you guys. Do you guys have any other final notes you want to make about these last three episodes of season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.?
2: You know, the only thing that I wish that I would have never heard and I don't mean this any disrespect if she ever hears this, is that name, Marissa Tangerowen. Did I say that right? Yes. I said it, Right? I said Miss Marissa Tangerowen, right? Because i just be driving down the street, and out of nowhere, say Marissa Tangerowan because it just sounds weird, but it also rolls off the tongue so right, and I don't know why, but it's a weird name
0: that's stuck in my fucking head now. So if you ever hear this, I
2: randomly say your name, girl
0: she is I follow her on social. I mean, I follow pretty much all of them on social media. I have ever since um, uh, cause Jed and Marissa used to work as if I'm on a first name basis with them. Um, <laughs> but they, <laughs> they, uh, they, they worked on dollhouse as well, which was a fantastic show. Only lasted two mm-hmm. seasons. Um, and she's actually, they, they do music, the two of them and That's awesome. she is a fantastic singer she is i mean the the two of them are very good at everything they do but they are very good writers obviously good showrunners. like i said he he is amazing uh with uh musical ability she is an amazing singer that is
2: not what i expected her to look like
0: they are they have a, a daughter who they post some hilarious things because i mean Ellsworth, you know, and and Liam, I'm sure you know as well. Kids are very funny. Like Mm. kids are very funny. And so they post things uh, on their social media about their daughter. And from everything I could see, they seem like they are fantastic parents as well. So I am definitely a big fan And she's actually cameoed, not only in this show later on, uh, you said about what she looks like. She has cameoed in this show. She's cameoed in in several other things that they've worked on as well. Um, But, yeah.
2: Oh, rightfully so. Um, Liam, did you have But all in
0: all, yeah, this was
2: great. If anybody else out there, first time, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You're rewatching it, Cool. If you just listened to this and you didn't watch it, go back and watch it and then enjoy the ride. Paul, oh, appreciate it. has been great. The rest of the world.
1: Yeah.
0: Liam, did you have anything else you wanted to say about, uh, the end of season one? And like I said, uh, into the beginning of season two, uh,
1: I guess, uh, I don't know. It's it was nice to see. We mentioned it briefly. It was nice to see uh, Glenn Talbot, uh, eight, that actor Adrian Pasdar, I think. If that's not correct, correct. You know, he was in Heroes, and it, it, he, I think that I believe that character is one of the bigger uh, comic book characters introduced in the show. And there's a lot of original characters in the show, but
0: well, so I that's I believe something.
1: he's connected to like general. I think he's with in the comics at least. He's like the number two to general Ross who interacts with the Hulk a lot. So yeah.
0: that's something that, okay. So you two and, and Kevin as well, when he's been on, you guys have much more of the, of the comic book knowledge than I do. And so this is something that we've talked about before Ellsworth where we'll, you know, all they, they might use a character name as like a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge to us uh, as the fans, whether you want to go into that, um, you know, dive a little bit deeper into knowing who these characters are or whatever but excuse me is so so general talbot is i'm gonna give a minor spoiler here he becomes a, a bigger player and i think the way that they left it even was that you you know that he's basically going to come back um so he he is a, a bit of a a bigger player in the comics, unlike some of the other characters that we've seen, or at least character names that they've used on this show in terms of, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it's, it's relative to, I mean, he's no captain America or something, but
2: especially up and again, I don't know what, I don't know who they enter, you know, other than of course, you know, your other big, you know, I mean, but no, for up until this point, that probably is, One of your bigger names from the comics brought in, yes, because I haven't watched the rest of the show, so I don't know who else they do, so I don't know if there is. But like Liam said, yes, he definitely played a bigger part in the Hulk and other things. So, um, you know, and I do, like you, Liam said, this is another great tie-in to you know the rest of what's going on in the cinematic universe because you have the military present very big in the fall of shield and stuff you know in the movies so it makes sense that you have another major player from this universe being the military presence in the show
0: and it's good to see that it's it doesn't seem at least... And again, I don't know much about Talbot from the comic book side. I, I, obviously, I know more from the TV side. But it's good to see that unlike some of the other characters where they just use a name and maybe reference one thing about them from the comics, it seems like they're at least sort of keeping true more towards this character from the comics and bringing him to even the small screen in this sense than just you know, oh, it's a name that if you know, you know, sort of thing.
1: And I think Talbot would have been the perfect character to transition from TV into movies, especially since in the comics he has that connection to General Ross. So when you bring when, when you eventually bring back General Ross, you know, you maybe just have Talbot, you know, s- s- you know, sitting around in the background, you know, he doesn't have to do anything major and it's not going to throw anybody off. But you know the fans are gonna see that and recognize that and get a little kick out of it.
2: And then and then the then the bridge becomes even a, a smaller, more realistic bridge between the movies and yeah. the show. No, and again, like you said, and it's played by a great actor from Heroes, another fantastic, awesome show that we both both agree that's amazing, especially for
1: the first season. <laughs> and he's a uh, and he is connected with the Marvel a lot. I, he does a lot yeah. of voice work. I, he, I think he frequently voices Iron Man, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Oh, that's that's cool. I could see that.
1: Like, I think in the like, like some some Lego stuff, he voices Iron Man. Like, I know they've had like the Lego games, and maybe in some of the animated shows. He's voiced Iron Man or other characters. But yeah, he, didn't he has know done. A, he has done a lot of voice stuff for Marvel too. I feel like.
0: See, these two guys are full of so much information, uh, these little tidbits that I don't necessarily know, and it's one of the big reasons that I uh, love having them in my life, and I'm sure you all as the listeners love it as well. And to keep that going, you probably want to follow them uh, on the various social media platforms. And so, guys, where can they find you all across the Internet so they can ask you these questions, um, you know, in your everyday lives?
2: Uh, I'll go first, since you're going to be leading into the next uh, show there, Liam. You can find The Electric Tongue, Ellsworth Tallman, on Twitter, at The Magician. That is T H E M A J I S H N. And at Ellsworth Certified on Instagram and Facebook.
1: Yeah, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Hazard Time. And you can also find me on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com slash Hazard Time.
0: And see, Liam says that uh, he, d- he may not necessarily. Uh, have too much to promote he posts a video on his youtube channel every day so definitely go check
1: him out i don't know when this i don't know when this came out i mean i don't know when this is coming out but uh yesterday filming wise i had day 1000 which was a pretty big which is a pretty big update i think it's one of the better ones i've done
0: that's awesome
2: okay now i gotta check this out
0: Uh, For me, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at jpgrb. You can follow my secondary Instagram at jpcs.pics. I do a picture of something every day. Sometimes it's food. At a certain point, I was doing the various t-shirts that I have. Um, But yeah, I always try to post a picture a day and give like a little sort of journal entry i suppose of what was going through my head that day or whatever um for clock shelves you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at clock shelves that's c-l-o-c-k-s-h-e-l-v-e-s you can support us by following us there sharing our stuff or throw some dough if you choose to do so at patreon.com slash clock shelves that's c-l-o-c-k-s-h-e-l-v-e-s for this episode and links to the other podcasts that we do. The central hub for everything. Clockshelves.com. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S dot C-O-M. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, The plan, for those of you listening, is uh, the three of us are going to reunite for the first few episodes Uh, to to cover the first few episodes of season two of course before that you're going to get guardians of the galaxy can't wait for that conversation a bit of a surprise as to who's going to be on there i'm not going to spoil it so um definitely stay tuned for all of that and until next time as always thanks for listening true believers